Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani welcoming you to another session of self-coaching. Where real life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. And today's podcast is brought to you by my latest book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. Take a peek at it, either on Amazon or my website, selfcoaching.net. Well. Let me tell you that there have been several primitive East Asian cultures that believe that the eclipse of the sun was caused by a giant frog eating the sun. Now, why do I tell you about this giant frog? Well, because this past week, my son, S-U-N, was eaten by a giant frog. No joke. I'm telling you, we had, I guess from the, these horrendous Canadian forest fires, our atmosphere became very polluted with ash and stuff and particulate stuff and stuff stuff and smoke stuff. And, you know, at first I thought it was, you know, somebody barbecuing. I smelt this burning. And this is the whole northeast of the United States I'm talking about. So this this was a a really catastrophic kind of uh, experience for a lot of people, especially those in Canada that have been displaced. But for us, it was kind of just spooky. I mean, everything turned orange, and not just a tint of orange, but a deep orange, almost an amber color. Maybe that would be the best way to describe it. Everything was amber, and it kept getting darker and darker. At three o'clock in the afternoon, I had to run an errand, and I had to put on my headlights, as did everyone else. It was an orange night, and was very disconcerting. But did I fear any giant frogs? Of course not. I had the advantage of internet, weather broadcasts, and and I knew it was just a, a matter of time till the uh, the jet stream reef. We decided to reinvent its its trajectory and push that uh, smoke somewhere else, which it has, fortunately. But you know, throughout human existence, we we certainly have to recognize that anything that comes about that creates a perception, a loss of control, something that disrupts our our regular rhythms, uh, it evokes a fear response. And that's that's what I wanted to get into today. Fear, anxiety, panic, and whether or not you know the difference. So fear is an automatic fight-flight survival response to life and things seemingly going awry. So as my two-year-old grandson Darian might say, and in fact he did say this, uh, we were visiting, and there was a rumble of thunder in the distance, and he put his hands to his ears and a, a very anguished, startled face. 
he said, scared, scared. So Darian was scared. He wasn't able to anticipate uh, what would happen with the lightning storm, nor could he understand it completely. It just frightened him. And that fear response is within all of us. We are born with that fear response. It is very protective. Without a fear response, we would be really hard-pressed to survive as a species. It is a protective evolutionary strategy that mobilizes all our senses. And it does this because it's trying to gain as much information as possible. So we're talking about danger. And when there is danger, we need to pool all our resources to make an interpretation of how to either fight or to flee because we're trying to survive that danger and we can't rely on our cognitive skills because if we, we had to think about danger, uh, well, we wouldn't react fast enough. We needed something in us that could be instantaneously or close to instantaneously responding to imminent danger. So whether it's a sudden screech of tires as you cross the road, or when you're unexpectedly touched from the back and you jolt, or when you're sound asleep and you hear a crashing in the middle of the night, in an instant, your whole system goes into survival mode. Your amygdala sends a distress signal to another part of your brain, the hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus activates the sympathetic nervous system, sending signals to the adrenal glands. And these glands pump adrenaline into the bloodstream. Now, you know adrenaline, that's, that's the hormone that, that speeds us up, fires us up, gets us ready. And all of this stuff going on internally is a response to danger, an immediate reflexive response. Now, what does that do for us? Well, the heart starts to beat faster than normal. It pushes more blood into the muscles because if we're in danger, we're going to need those muscles, right? Preparing us. Your breath becomes more rapid. Small airways in the lungs open wider, permitting more oxygenation. With each breath, we're becoming survival machines. And that extra oxygen sends more oxygen to the brain, your sight, your hearing. All your senses become sharper. And meanwhile, the adrenaline triggers the release of blood sugar, glucose. That's the fuel that comes from the fats from temporary storage sites in our body. These are the nutrients that flood into our bloodstream, supplying energy to all parts of our body in an instant. Miraculous, isn't it? How we are geared to shift from our thinking everyday self to just this survival machine. Boom, like that. Everything happens. That, that whole amygdala response is zoom, and we are prepared to not get run over in the crosswalk, or to react to danger. 
So fear's job, the reason we have fear, obviously, is to get the body ready to fight or to flee. And it bypasses conscious control that makes for speedier reactions. Without fear, well, imagine if you had to think, hmm, now let's see, this taxi cab is coming down the street awfully fast and uh, he just hit his brakes and ah, it's starting to squeal. Should I go left? Should I stay here? Should I <laughs> forget it? You wouldn't make it. We need that immediate fear response. So fear is a natural part of our evolutionary past. It serves us and it has served us for 2 million years of evolutionary existence. But what about anxiety? Now, is it the same thing? It's, well, how about I say this? Let's, let me say anxiety is a fear response without the screeching tires. So what do I mean by that? Well, anxiety is the anticipation of those screeching tires. It is not seeing tigers, real tigers attacking us, but imagine tigers. But the real problem here is that your body doesn't know the difference between a real tiger and an imagined tiger, between a real screech of the break and I'm using this metaphorically, of course, and and a an imagined screech of the of the breaks. If we imagine something to happen, our body reacts as if it's happening. And anxiety puts us in a fight flight state. Now, of course, as you know from my podcast, everything's on a continuum. So let's put this on a continuum. On the left side, we'll have mild anxiety, stress, as you progress to more moderate, uh, and then you get to severe anxiety. Now, the amount of reaction or reactivity is, is proportionate to where you are on that scale. If your anxiety is about a test that you have to take tomorrow, that's a very different anxiety than... I, I'm going to die. So where does anxiety come from? Let's break it down a little bit. Anxiety comes from insecurity. So another way of, of defining anxiety is to take a fear and inject it with insecurity. And the fear can be in the abstract. And that's what insecurity does. Because insecurity is always trying to anticipate what's going to go wrong in life. That's what worry does. When we're worrying, we're anticipating what chaos may ensue. So we generate a tiger, a screech of tires. Insecurity, because there's no, or I should say, because there is insufficient self-trust. Insecurity is trying to brace you for what may happen in life. You know, don't blame it on the insecurity. It's it's came about because of earlier states of vulnerability. So insecurity is just injected into fear, and we become anxious. Anxiety is trying to handle the what-ifs of life. Not the what-is of life, but the what-ifs of life. And to differentiate that from fear, fear is a reaction to a legitimate circumstantial stimulus. 
fear of being physically accosted in a dangerous situation. Fear is something that presents itself to us externally. Anxiety is when we start to imagine being accosted before we ever walk down an alley. And, and because insecurity is a habit, a habit that has ensued all our lives, it, it has muscle. So if you are anxious, of course, then you're, you're no stranger to stress. You're no stranger to that whole cycle, that fear cycle, fight-flight cycle. And you are, you know, more or less putting your body into a very stressful place when you are fighting off demons and frogs and uh, what else did I say we fight off? Screeching tires and uh, bangs in the night. When you are chronically anticipating such things, when your worry thoughts are chronically bringing up dangerous situations, and again, the body and the mind, the mind, you know, creates the, the image and the body reacts. So don't blame it on your amygdala or your hypothalamus. It's more or less responding to the input that your brain is giving you. You're worried about tomorrow. You're worried about such and such happening. You're worried about failing. You're worrying about being rejected. These are sending countless impulses to your body to protect you to stress you, and to keep pouring chemicals of adrenaline, of mobilization. And what do you think happens? This is why, you know, doctors recommend, you know, reduce stress. Why do you think they say that? You know, stress isn't just a mental state. It, it is this kind of hijacking of the fear state of fight flight. And it's incorporating it into a mental defense against the things that may go awry in life, but we're paying this price and the body pays the price. And over time, it's a cumulative price. And over time, the organs of the body, the heart, the system, it begins to become uh, depleted. We put ourselves in, in danger. Strokes happen. Bad things happen to the body, cancers. And we know the implications of stress and anxiety. Stress and anxiety are, are just first cousins. You don't get anxious without some degree of stress. And where you are on that continuum, of course, is important. If you're on the left-hand side, that mild side, you know, that's oftentimes that kind of anxiety, that really low-grade uh, anxiety is often inescapable. You know, it's handling life's demands. So, it's hard to imagine a life without stress, without any stress, but we don't have to pile on. We don't have to incorporate more and more stress needlessly by allowing insecurity to steer us down these imagined alleys of danger. So how do you reduce stress? Well, it's important to recognize just how devastating stress can be. So we have to become more cognizant, not just of our thoughts, but the physiology of those thoughts. Check out what goes on when you feel stressed or worried. What are you feeling? Do you feel your heart beating faster? Do you feel yourself breathing more rapidly? Do you feel tension in your body? Well, we could say that all emotions are physical in nature because when you become emotional, when you become stressed, so too does the body. 
So aside from understanding insecurity, you have to become more in touch with the fact that you are paying a physiological price. And we must learn to kind of slow down the reflexive fears involved with anxiety. You know, I call it the child reflex because basically these, these insecurity habits were laid down when we were most vulnerable growing up. And we carry these kind of anticipated vulnerabilities with us into our adult life. Are we as vulnerable as we once were as a child? I hope not. But we act as if we are. We act as if we're defenseless. And we go on worrying and fretting and wringing our hands and we stress ourselves because what's the truth? Can I handle such and such? Think about it. How often do you just default into helplessness, into impotence? How often do you allow insecurity to indicate you're no match for life? How often do you allow stress, anxiety, and fear? Whenever there's a loss of control, a feeling of vulnerability, that's what typically evokes fear and anxiety. And when we feel a loss of control, let's say you driving your car and you you have a tire blowout and you're, you, you lose the steering in your car. Well, then we understand the fear response there. And we understand that that doesn't have to be anything connected to insecurity. That's a real danger. And we are out of control and we need to regain control. So all our resources come into focus. And as I said earlier, our senses become heightened. We start to become reflexively trying to bring back the control of that car, that automobile into our lives. But with anxiety, with imagined and worrisome anticipations and ruminations, sometimes we never feel in control and we just keep worrying and worrying. And I always say worry begets worry. So worrying doesn't solve anything. It doesn't stop the stress or the anxiety. It just begets more worry. And this chronic anxiety, stress, our lives become depleted, and we keep feeding the habit of insecurity. And sometimes we get tripped up by our physiology. So when you get into a fear, anxiety, panic situation, remember that you know we've got that whole fight-flight thing going on. We've got to slow things down rather than speed them up. And a good way to do that, just a simple technique, is put your hands on your belly and take a nice deep breath. And as you breathe in, push out on your belly. This is called diaphragmatic breathing. And as you push out further and further, and then you get to a point where you can't push out anymore, just hold it a brief second and then start to inhale. Feel that balloon go in and feel the belly going down, down, down. And you do that again. You're slowing down. You're forcibly trying to get yourself connected to the parasympathetic nervous system, which is antithetical to the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight-flight nervous system. By getting in touch with the, the parasympathetic nervous system, the, it's called the rest and digest part of your nervous system. By slowing things down, by feeling that rest and digest, you're starting to just take a little bit of control of a situation that might be cascading out of control. But sometimes that's not so easy, especially when you're having distortions 
of reality. This is, although it can happen with anxiety, this is very typical with panic attacks. You know, with panic, the, well, panic attacks are the end result of the cumulative eroding effects of insecurity and anxiety. We, we lose confidence, trust, self-trust. We feel more and more vulnerable. And the more stressed we feel, the more vulnerable we feel. And that cumulative effect of anxiety can trigger what we call a panic attack. And sometimes panic attacks come from a thought or all of a sudden the vision might get blurry, might have tunnel vision, light sensitivity, potentially seeing flashes of light, all disruptions to our sense of control, propelling us further and further into feeling panicky or rushing to the ER with all of these visual cues caused by, again, the adrenaline creates pressure on the eyes. And that pressure can cause all of these visual disturbances, making us feel more and more out of control. Feeling that loss of control visually is a very startling experience, especially if you're driving. Let let me uh, let me just say this: if if you are having a panic attack, my self coaching philosophy is that if you resist rather than yield to the panic attack, you're going to be feeding the panic. It's it's like the guy that's trying to go to sleep at night. Oh, I've got to get up in the morning. I've got to get to sleep. I've got to get to sleep. You know, well, that's the death knell of falling asleep. You know, you're you're creating more stress, more anxiety. To me, it's the same thing with a panic attack. I've got what's going on? I've got to stop this. I've got to stop. I can't get there. What if somebody sees me? This is you're creating more stress. You're creating more anxiety. A better way is to realize that yes, you are susceptible. You've got a concerted amount of anxiety build up and you are susceptible to being triggered into panic. So if that does happen, realize panic is time limited. It will pass. And the more you yield to it and just let yourself flow through the panic to the other side, the quick, more quickly it will recede. But let's, let's get back to why the panic and what you can do about it. Well, what you can do about it is to realize that you are still feeding the anxieties with the insecurity, with the stress. And the panic is just the end result of too much of that going on. So we need to reduce the stress, the needless anxiety thinking, not allowing insecurity to create false tigers and screeching tires and anticipating all bad things from happening. What's the truth? I mean, you may, it may sound silly, but the next time you get into one of these kind of panicky, not necessarily a panic attack, but into one of these panicky, anxious moods, ask yourself, am I, am I imagining screeching tires or is there real danger in front of me? Now, that's a little bit difficult if insecurity is steering because insecurity does see danger in safe places. So who's, who's steering your life, you or insecurity? You've got to start objectifying what's going on in your present. And that's another big word. Be more present. Insecurity doesn't like the present. It wants to take you for a ride. It time travels, you know, to the future, to the past with regrets, or to the future, what's going to happen. So insecurity is all over the place. It's driving you away from the present. The more you can stay in the present, 
in the moment, the better chance you have of staying calm enough to deal with the cognitions of worry, doubt, fear, concern. And it's when you allow yourself to just leave the present. You know, you got one foot in the present, the other foot's now floating all over tomorrow's what-ifs. Stay present. Monitor your physiology. Slow yourself down. Relax. Yield a little bit. But recognize that the culprit is the buildup of anxiety slash insecurity. And you're now needing to break the habit of insecurity. That's the motor. The motor behind anxiety and panic is insecurity. Now, fear, we distinguished fear as not necessarily neurotic. Fear is a reaction to objective danger. So you're not going to do anything. You're not going to become fearless nor would you want to. But you want to be able to be fearful of things that could hurt us. Not imagined hurt, but real life danger. So I I hope that gives you a little brief outline. I'd like to go deeper into these concepts. Please let, let me know if you have any suggestions that you would like for me to explore. Uh, you can reach me at my website, selfcoaching.net, or uh, at selfcoachinghelp, one word, at aol.com. And although we can't eliminate fear, and although for all intent and practical purposes, we're not going to get rid of all the stress in our life or all those anxious moments of our life, keep in mind, ask yourself, how much of the duress that I put myself under is truly necessary? How much of it is truly objectively necessary? You struggle with that question, and you're going to wind up realizing that it's insecurity that's dictating, not you. What does the healthy, mature you say about how you live your life versus what is insecurity saying? Well, insecurity is always saying, ah, so... Uh, don't let insecurity go unchecked, driving through your life willy-nilly. Put the check on it and recognize that. Take charge. Struggle with really recognizing that insecurity is a habit. We feed it one thought at a time. And if you can win some of those battles and step away from just handing yourself over to, to reflexive insecurity-driven thinking, those are the doubts, the fears, and the negatives. Every once in a while, if you could pull yourself back from just doing that reflexively, well, then you're starting to neutralize the habit of insecurity. It's going to take time. It's a habit. You don't break a habit in one, one shot, but you start to reduce the stress. You start to give your body a break before it breaks. So take that healthy, mature responsibility for your life, for your health. And... Stay focused on what's really happening in your life, not what insecurity says. And visit my website. I think I mentioned this at least once today, selfcoaching.net, where you could learn a little bit more about my philosophy. And until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, well, that's not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless and you're not powerless. And remember, everything's hard until you make it simple. So join me every week 
Let's make it simple together. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than it seems. Hold